I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Yo, so I glanced to the girl. Girl glanced at me. I whispered in her ear, you want to be with me? You want to look pretty, though, in my video. Old dirty on the hat, and I let you all know. Hey, welcome to the Black Guy Test Podcast. Your host, Rod and Karen. And we are in the apartment yes, again. Yes, we are. Um, and this time, um, it's a Wednesday, which is our Friday, because uh, we have the next two days off, Karen. So, yes, we do. Um, and like everybody else that celebrates their Friday, we wanted to celebrate with a bang. So yes. we went and got somebody that has never been on the show before. No, but we are a fan of his. Mm-hmm. At a very special time that we have not done before. It's uh, comedian Mike Kaplan. Um, well, you can find him at MikeKaplan.com. You can find his podcast now at Keith and the Girl slash Hang. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mike Kaplan. And all those mics are MYQ. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, we are fans of uh, not just your stand-up, but uh, listen to your podcast um, before. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've heard you on Keith and the Girl a lot. Um uh and uh just overall mike kaplan fan so uh it was actually pretty cool that you could do the show man we really appreciate you being we here. do i am excited to do it uh any any fan of keith and the girl is a fan of mine it's a thing that i wish was true <laughs> but uh, any you know people who like me because of that are people that i like now uh, you know I'm, I'm super excited to be on uh, on keeping the girls network with my podcast now happy that you guys listen to everything that i do hopefully and mm-hmm. uh, as much as anything i'm happy that you guys listen to anything i'm glad anyone knows who i am so i'm happy to talk to people who want to be talked to by me even uh the music uh that you did with um the other mike uh michael michael Fo- i mean wait hold on Micah. I there's a lot of Micahs over yeah. there, ain't it? Yeah, I was there like, I about to say, Micah Fox? That's the real Micah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, we made some music together at, at times, but, uh, Micah Sherman? Yes, that, yes. Uh, Micah Sherman. Uh, we even listened to that, um, in the car. Um, and I have to ask, why did you name name the song Bop 24? Oh, uh, it's Bop 25. 25, okay. So, uh, great question. Uh, I mean, almost, <laughs> almost perfect question. Uh, one number. Well, the song is called Bop because we uh, we say bop in it a lot. Mm-hmm. And the 25 is for, I believe it's the number of acres that each uh, human being uh, would be able to possess if the world were divvied up fairly. I think something like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was uh, I just I was trying to count the bops. I was doing a lot of uh, trying to figure out where they got that number from. Yeah. And I guess they oh, actually yeah. say it in uh, the song. I just didn't connect those two, man. So. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm, I, I what I said was actually slightly inaccurate. I, it's hard. to. It's interesting. Like you, you know, if you try to do lyrics without singing them, because I know the lyrics of the song and the explanation is in there. There's something about four acres and there's something about 25 acres. But I think I think 25 acres is how many each American uses and uh but everyone in the world on average uh uses about four oh wow um now how long have you done music uh as far as like your comedy because uh the first time i got introduced to you was as a stand-up and you know obviously guest on keith and a girl Mm -hmm. and whatnot um and then all of a sudden instruments start showing up when you showed up in the uh to 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 to, uh be interviewed or whatnot to be a guest oh sure and so I'm like, uh, where'd you, uh, is that something you picked up recently or is it something you've always done? Uh, well, in common, I actually started my whole, I started my life as a musician. Uh, I was born, 
uh, coming out of Cesarean Born, and I came out with a guitar just popping up everywhere. Uh, no, I was, uh, my parents were both music teachers, so I did start playing the violin when I was four. I uh, didn't like it, but I had to. Played in orchestras and quartets and ensembles, took theory classes, went like all day, every Saturday. Uh, I had this violin school that I went to for most of my childhood. And uh, then, I, and I did not like it at all, but then I started when I was in high school playing the guitar, and I loved it because I didn't have to. Mm. Uh, and I started writing songs, and that was that was my original goal uh, in life was to be a singer songwriter to play music for a living, and so that's what I was doing uh, around you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand was my senior year of college, and I when I turned twenty one I started going out to bars and clubs in Boston where they had music, and uh, I was like hey can I play wherever I could get on stage I would, and one of the places that I got on stage was the comedy studio. It was a comedy club, but I was like, I got funny songs. Can I do? And the guy was like, yeah, you can have five to seven minutes here. And I was like, all right, I guess that's a, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> and so I went there and performed uh, on, you know, I didn't even know at the time. I think the first show I ever did, I just did a couple songs. And I went on right after uh, Jonathan Katz, mm-hmm. who was, you know, from Dr. Katz, uh, professional therapist. And uh, Louis C.K. was on the show. But at the time, wow. I'd never, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of him. It was like 2000 or so. Yeah, whatever and, happened to that guy? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was, that was his pinnacle, I think. I was like, wow, that guy's real funny, and uh, never heard from him again. Uh, but yeah, and then, I, so I was playing music, I was playing in comedy clubs, but I was mostly just pursuing music in music venues until about 2002 is when I really just started to I'd be like, hey, I, get, I don't even need to carry this guitar around anymore. Uh, this is much easier to just go and talk. I don't have to set up or plug in or, you know... Uh, so that's when I sort of started as a musician, weaned off, and then just mostly did stand-up until I met Micah in Boston, maybe like 2006-ish, mm-hmm. and then he was like, you want to play some songs? And I was like, yeah, I, I did that. I used to do that. And, uh, that is when we started, uh, I started not reincorporating into my act, but, you know, having the separate act with him, uh, to the point where, I mean, that, and now we still do it. So it's sort of, uh, you know, I mostly do stand-up with no music, but, uh, but Micah and I love, uh, love doing music. We actually... We'll have a new video, I think, debuting next week. Wow. Cool. You know, and everybody, you mentioned earlier being born knowing how to play, and everybody is born knowing one chord, and that's the umbilical one. So <laughs> that is true. Um, I, I like it. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, uh, Mike followed me on Twitter a long time ago. I'm assuming he just never checks his, uh, rec- reads his regular column, which I, I wouldn't if I was in it. But, um, I used to direct message him every like once in a while when I came up with if I came up with the word like people know from the show like uh vegetarian where mm-hmm. I talk about being a uh, vegetarian during the day uh disasterbation where yeah. people like watch like the footage of like the Oklahoma tornado all day on the news for like 24 hours, hours. um and I, I would masturbate to it right yeah right and then yes. of course uh and I would uh run it by Mike and I was like uh, I think right around disasterbation, I was like, man, this guy, this has to be annoying. But Mike, you are kind of an authoritarian on knowing which of these terms has been used by someone before. So, you know, I, I, I stopped asking because I think it would be annoying. I'm assuming it would be and I'm assuming other people do it. But at the same time, you fucking know, man, like, why do you, <laughs> it's hard to, to not ask. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I ever was annoyed. I mean, if, you know, if I was, I probably would have stopped responding, uh, which maybe I did, and so I was. Who knows? It's hard to remember. The past is the past. We're here now, but. <laughs> uh, you didn't stop responding for the record. I just, I don't know. I have something in me that's like, that's probably enough. 
Well, it's interesting because, I mean, there are, I feel like my grandmother is a person who sends me, like, you know, joke emails, like, four words of things that aren't always, like, you know, word-related, but they're, a lot of the times they're jokes that I've heard, or, you know, they're the same ones that she sent me, you know, a year ago, but she's like, oh, an old one that I like, you know, and she's like, you can use this in your act. And, <laughs> uh, and sometimes it is one of those things where it's, like, a bunch of Carlin jokes or Stephen Wright jokes or, like, you know, or a bunch of scrambled up words like, oh, if you scramble the letters in the dormitory, you get dirty room. And that's, <laughs> uh, which is great. And I, but I do remember, like, I've seen that. Uh, and I don't mind when people send me things like that. But sometimes people will be like, hey, check this out, as though it's the first time that I'm seeing it when it's not. I, I have seen a lot of jokes, a lot of words, a lot of uh, things like that. But I guess the ones that you're coming up with, you know, like I hadn't I hadn't heard at the time disaster patient. Right now, I'd forgotten that you'd even sent that to me or. Uh, so I'm, you know, there's not, I don't want to say there's no harm in doing it, but you know, it's, uh, it's a, you you did fine. You did fine. Oh, oh thank God. I, I can relax. <laughs> He's now. relieved now. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that We're was on my heart. <laughs> How does it feel being the very, very first person on the Keith and the Girl Network? Uh, I mean, obviously there's, you know, they have their VIP shows like with Brolo and Lauren and Femda and Danny and Keith. And maybe others. I if I forgot other people, I guess they're not as important to me. But uh, <laughs> Emmy, yeah. Oh, Emmy, of course. So uh, Emmy's so listening. I, I didn't actually realize there were other people. Uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody's important. Uh, and who am I? Doesn't matter. I'm not important. Uh, I mean, I'm thrilled to be uh, part of their expansion into having you know uh, more people in their community uh, in in that network. Because I mean, I've I've always loved going on that show uh, and just hanging out with them because they are really. Like uh, cool people, good friends, and they're doing, uh, you know, I mean, it's like my same thing with my comedian friends. It's like, you know, we do a show and then you hang out, uh, either at the show, after the show, like at, you know, at a diner, at a bar. And it's just like, it's sort of, you know, extends. It's like, it's all just, you're talking, you're having fun, you're, you know, whether people are listening or not. But then to have like Keith and the girl have like a massive amount of people, uh, listening. So I mean, I'm, I've always felt fortunate to get the opportunity to go on their show and now to be able to sort of share. Uh, you know, share a space, share a, a pod e space with them. Uh, it's uh, it's super. I'm uh, I'm thrilled. Is it less work for you now uh, that than if you were doing it all yourself? Well, I wasn't doing it all myself before. I actually had a different producer uh, in a different location. Oh. Uh, so I basically, I mean, I think it'll be about the same amount of work with a a slightly longer commute because before it was I was going from Brooklyn to Brooklyn. Now I'm going to. Astoria, which I'm fine. No complaints. No, it's not a problem. Uh, thanks for doing everything. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, I mean, part of it is I, I mean, I'm sure that I could learn how to, you know, set up a website and, you know, set up all the, I don't, learn all the things that I would have to learn, but you know, they have sort of mechanisms in place and people who know what they're doing. And so I'm happy to, uh, you know, to just sort of do what I'm like. I, I come and talk into microphones, and uh, and then you do everything, most everything else. Great, and I tell <laughs> people to listen. Please, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, man, um, drugs. Uh, you talk Bro. openly about uh, mushrooms or whatnot. Sure. And um, I wanted to know what are mushrooms like. You've never have you what have, have you done any any only um things? no I've only done the either slash legal drugs. Or the drugs that don't count, like being addicted to fast food and stuff. I got gotcha. you. Oh yeah, like, you're a workaholic. Oh man, this uh, this workaholic really. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> Ruin my life. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's it's 
to to explain exactly like I here's a here's my sort of narrative with with drugs is I grew up and my parents were like don't do them and I didn't uh, I didn't smoke pot until I think I started drinking in college I mean when I say I started drinking I'm like I drank a little bit at parties never really liked it that much do it because uh, people give me drinks for free now and I figured out which ones I like and I can do it in a you know. Obviously, you can drink in moderation and be completely healthy. A glass of wine a day is your doctor. Might uh, I feel like it goes back and forth. They're like, oh, this is good. It's not good. You know, there's there's ups yeah. and downs, but you can certainly enjoy it uh, and not get out of control. And I feel like most drugs are the same. Uh, for example, like uh, when I started smoking pot, uh, it was because I was dating a girl who was into it, and she was like, it's you know, she's like, it's creative. It helps you. You know, like you're a creative person. I'm a creative person. She was a musician. And uh, she was like, you should give it a shot. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to. But I did. Uh, peer, I, I succumbed to peer pressure at the age of 24. And uh, and it wasn't really my thing. Like, And I still, I've never purchased pot like because I don't really care about it that much. But if, if friends have it or if I'm at a party, if people are like, hey, wanna, wanna, I'll always give, I'll give it another shot. And I feel like maybe 10 to 20% of the time uh, it'll do something for me, mm-hmm. something positive. Sometimes it'll just put me to sleep. Sometimes it'll like make my, like when it really affects me, I'll like be sort of forgetful. I feel like in an impaired way that like obviously I wouldn't want to drive. Like I'll have I'd be having a conversation with somebody and be like, "What? What did you just say that I'm answering in the middle of a sentence?" Like I literally don't know because I'm high and I get that I shouldn't do this all the time. I shouldn't get that impaired all the time. Mushrooms, when I for the most part, ninety something percent of the time don't impair me. I feel like they more repair or, you know, do the, whatever the opposite of impairing is. They, uh, unimpair. They uh, unimpair I think it, I think the opposite is all pair. Yeah. They, 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 they assist yeah, people. Do nanny. Yeah. yeah because- uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can, uh, I, sorry, I just glanced at the chat and somebody said, don't tell me what I can't do. And, uh, <laughs> I, if I was telling you what you can't do, I, I didn't mean to, you can, you can do whatever you want. Don't tell me to not tell you what you can't do. I, I uh, think that's just their, uh, name in the chat room. And, okay. And the only, uh, which is, better. which is hilarious. I don't get how computers work. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Somebody's killing dreams. Okay. <laughs> somebody's made of Sterling Harrison. Okay. This is great. So, His middle name is Silver. Here? Oh my God. George Clinton is watching. <laughs> uh, so backtracking a second uh and i don't know i hope you don't mind that this answer is so long no i don't but, mind uh, no. uh if, if it is then i can be like answer so long and uh, <laughs> guys we're having a great time so uh i had read a book a couple books that sort of i didn't that i really enjoyed that impacted me later once i did mushrooms like uh there's a book called ishmael where, uh, I don't know if you, you guys know that, it's sort of about a, a telepathic gorilla that teaches a guy about the history of the world and, like, sort of you know, the agriculture leading to, like, our modern civilization and things that are wrong with it and things that the way that life could be and was and or maybe, quote-unquote, should be. Uh, and, and, and the answer is no, uh, we did not know about that book. No. Okay, well, I recommend it. Check out the book Ishmael by uh, Daniel Quinn, I believe is the name. And then there's this other book called a book called This Book Needs No Title, uh, which was by a guy named Raymond Smullyan, who I love all of his books. He's a philosopher, mathematician, logician, like mystic sort of guy. He wrote about a lot of things, including enlightenment. And when he wrote about enlightenment, I didn't, I understood what he was saying intellectually, but I was like, I don't know what this, he's like talking about this feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the same, the same thing that 
you, when you ask like, what's, what are mushrooms like? I feel like I can describe, I can tell you some words. Uh, and it's not even that you haven't experienced the kind of thing that it is, but it's that you don't know that it's that thing. Ah. Like, I, no. I didn't know, like, once I did mushrooms, I sort of understood everything that I had read about enlightenment. And I was like, oh, and now I can, I, I, I'd heard that there were monks that, like, would take mushrooms at times to train themselves to be able to get into that state of mind themselves without the mushrooms. And I understand that. Like, there are sort of, like, you know, I don't know if you guys, do you guys know, like, Zen koans mm-hmm. are these sort of, you know, little, you know, Zen either riddles or mysteries. Like, the kind of, you know, like, the what the sound of one hand clapping right. is sort of one of those devices that when, if you actually, if, I feel like now it's sort of a trope that we all understand, that we've all heard, uh, that it doesn't necessarily do the thing that it did. Like, when you say, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Like, that doesn't have the desired humor effect because we've all heard it for so long. But if you heard that joke as an adult, you'd be like, why? You would ex- be expecting something else, and it would do something different to your brain mm. if you heard it as intended. The same way, like, a Zen koan, well, theoretically, it's like a question where the answer, it, there is no right answer. The answer is what it does to your brain. Mm. Uh, and so mushrooms are, are similar. Like, there was a an essay in this book, this book needs no title, uh, called, a, like, A Planet Without Laughter. And they were like, imagine, like, people knew what laughter was, but couldn't experience it on their own. Most people, like, not 90%, almost 100% of the people, like, Mm. knew, they were like, I know what laughter is, and they even know what it sounds like. They know what it looks like, and they, so they could pretend, they'd be like, ah, ha, 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 ha. But to anyone who knows what real laughter is, if you see somebody fake laughing, you'll be like, I understand that to be fake fake laughter. You don't, you don't get it. Ah. And so, I feel like, and so there's this analogy to a world without laughter, this world without, to being like this world, which is a world not without enlightenment, but where most people don't think about or perceive or consciously be like, ah, oh, this is a moment of enlightenment. And I feel like uh. enlightenment is tied to humor a lot. Uh, and it's also, when, so when I did mushrooms, like a lot of times when you do mushrooms, you laugh a lot. Like you do have these moments in your head where you're like, oh, like, let me try to, one time I was walking through Boston on mushrooms alone, just sort of on a nice day. And I was like, mm, like I was sec- I'm like, I have a secret from all these people. And I was like, ha, ah, it's a secret. And I wanted to tell everyone, this is, here's the thing. I wanted to tell everyone that I had a secret from all of them. But I was like, ah, oh, but I can't tell them because if I told them I had a secret, then I don't have the secret. Uh-huh. And so that sort of, you know, going round and around is sort of like that, that's what mushrooms is like all the time, but with different aspects. And I, that is also, I, I don't want to say that that's what enlightenment is to everyone, right. but that is how I came to access what I believe to be sort of an enlightened uh, state of mind oh, that I can okay. call into consciousness without mushrooms, but mushrooms help a lot. Mm. Okay. I know for me personally, I have never really tried any drugs unless they was like doctors prescribed or something like that. So, you know, when I hear y'all talk about mushrooms, I think you just go outside and pluck mushrooms at the ground. Like, <laughs> you know, well, that, that's, 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 I'm saying kind of like mushrooms. Well, I know what mushrooms look like. You know, I know mushrooms taste like in a salad. But I don't think they're talking about them type of mushrooms. No, no. They are different. Um, I also uh, like the idea, like, uh, when I was growing up as a kid, like, we always got taught, like, kind of from the D.A.R.E. program, like, people who use drugs are stupid and losers and bad. Um, But I think Mike is so smart. And then when I was a kid, they were taught, like, you should do what smart people do. That's how you get ahead in life. (laughs) So it's like you get older and it's, like, kind of conflicting. You're like, oh, he's not, doesn't seem dumb to me. And I want to do some drugs now. So... Um, yeah, I got to figure this drug thing out. Um, another, another thing you talk about a lot or, well, you used to talk about a lot. So if you don't want to talk about it, just let me know. But, um, you used to talk about like your dating life and stuff like that. And, uh, 
okay um so can you kind of describe your dating life uh and what and what how uh that type of enlightenment uh well i i don't want to say that i i i don't fully know you know where i'm gonna be for the rest of my life but uh i you know i i'm 34 years old i started you know i kissed a girl for the first time when i was 16 and then i did it that as much as possible uh and then started you know having like sort of long-term relationships i sort of became a serial monogamist uh, at like late college, early, and then through my twenties, like other. I'm, than- a, I'm the same way. Like I was on Captain Crunch for like years, and then eventually <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> Saw about this raisin brand, but go go I, ahead, Mike. Oh yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I I remember I would I would date other than I was married for about three three to four years in the in my mid twenties, and then I had another relationship that lasted about two and a half years. A few years after that, where I lived with. Uh, Micah Fox, uh, a girl, a comedian, a friend now, and, uh, and a friend then. Uh, we've been friends most of it. Uh, and, but other than that, I've mostly been like relationships that lasted, say, a year, maybe six months to a year, a little less than a year, maybe a little more than a year. And, uh, when I got married, I was like, ah, this is it. And then when I got divorced, I was like, ah, that wasn't it. I guess nothing's it. I mean, maybe mm. something could be it, but like, I couldn't perceive like wanting to be with somebody for, I thought, oh, I, w- I wanted to be with my wife more than a year. Uh, I will now, but then after three years, I was like, oh, that's, that's not the rest of my life. Like, you know, humans live a long time now. Like it could be ideally, you know, I'm, I'm going to live another, you know, hopefully 40, 50, 60 years. You know, some people alive now, they say might live if they're born, people born now, somebody born now will live to 150. Mm. Like, so the idea of living with one partner monogamously for upwards of decades, a thing that never happened that long in the past because people died so much sooner, uh, that became something that I called into question. And obviously, I did a lot of, you know, I didn't make this up. There's tons of, like, <laughs> books out there. Called, like, there's a book called The Ethical Slut, uh, which talks about, like, different sort of alternative relationship structures. There's a book called Sex at Dawn, which discusses that humans used to be, uh, they used to, like, sort of bond for uh, sexually for all kinds of reasons like for you know sort of community building and like child rearing was shared and it was just sort of uh you know like sex was not necessarily exclusive to you know just a male female partnership uh mm-hmm. that everybody did everything they shared the cooking they shared the cleaning they shared the having sex they shared everything uh and then there and i also listened to uh dan savage is one of my favorite people his podcast the savage Lovecast, is uh like one of the only ones that i never miss a single episode. I uh, never. I try to read everything that he's read. I just met him last week for the first time because he did a reading in New York, and uh, he has a new book that I just finished. And it's it's he's like one of the best people in the world. He's one of my favorite people, and he he's a person who introduced. I think he's one of the maybe the most famous person in America at least, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, sort of a the poster adult for uh, non for non monogamous relationships being uh, normalized. Uh, because like the idea, I think when I talk to most people, most people our age, my, yeah. you know, young, younger people uh, and even older people, I think it makes sense when you say to somebody, I can't imagine just being with one sexual partner or possibly even one emotional partner for life, but definitely sexual partners. Like be like, oh, like maybe, yeah, of course, of course that makes sense. Yeah. When you, people are like, yeah, I get married, but I know I want to, I'm attracted to other people. You have crushes on other people and you can you know you can promise to be with one person but what if you didn't have to i mean if you mm. find somebody and you're like i want to be with you uh and build a family with you build a life with you maybe have kids maybe not have kids but you know live together travel together share everything grow close like get every get the benefits of a lifelong partnership because you have a lifelong partnership but also acknowledge 
that uh, you got to be attracted to other people. Like my lifestyle, especially like uh, I've had girlfriends where like we we both lived in New York, and when I was in New York, I would hang out with them, and then if I went on the road for a week, if I you know uh, hooked up with somebody uh, after a show, like that was authorized, and uh, and if she hooked up with somebody back at home while I was gone, that was fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can you know couples can make their own rules, and so for me. Uh, I don't know exactly the format that I'll end up in. Like, hopefully something, uh, like I, because I do like, uh, the idea of being with someone for an extended period of time, uh, if it's the right person. Right. But I also like the idea of, you know, there's that, it, it avoids the grass is greener conflict of like, oh, I'm with a person, but I want to be with other people. But, oh, I'm with a lot of people, but I don't have the one person. Like, this way you can have both. Is it hard to convince other people to join in though? Because everyone's kind of programmed. Uh, like if you look at movies, a lot of our literature, like everything seems to be driving you from the time you're a little kid to like, you're supposed to be with one person forever. Most fairy tales end with happily ever after. Like there's just no real consideration for it. So people, I think, have to kind of grow out of that mindset. So do you have to like kind of talk people into it or like, how's that work? Uh, I will answer that question in one moment. I just want to respond briefly to uh, Andre King's comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, a ki- the king of Andre's. Uh, <laughs> he said did. sex was different back then. Women were practically community property. Uh, I think that was true at a time, but not at the time that Sex at Dawn is referring to, like back when humans were much more uh, tribal and there might have been different jobs associated to different genders. Uh, but in my understanding of it, which is I have read not all of the book, uh, so, and I am not an expert, but I do believe, like, when people are like, oh, if you go back that far, you get, you know, female genital mutilation, you get this, you get that, all these things, but there was, there was a time, I think, before, uh, like, property was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a time when, like, it was a more, you know, gatherer-type society, or hunter-gatherer society, where it wasn't like, oh, you're mine, and this is mine, it was like, oh, we all, you know, gather things from the trees, we all raise the children, uh, whether we're, you know, I mean, maybe, again, men might have had their role, women might have had their role, uh, but I think there were also matriarchal societies. Anyway, point is, I'm not an expert, uh, <laughs> think, except for uh, me and the question that you asked about, like, do I find difficulty, uh, like, you know, finding people who are, you know, down with this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, number one, I think that uh, it's, it is gaining more traction and more exposure and more, like, certainly there's tons of people doing it. But a lot of people are doing it, you know, their own way, privately, like the same way that marijuana is illegal. But about half the people in this country have done it and have not been adversely affected by it. But they're not shouting it from the rooftops. Like they're not, they're just like, I can get my weed if I want and I don't have to. But we should spare the children. The children, drugs are bad. (laughs) Uh, Marijuana is a drug, so blah, 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 blah. But uh i somebody's saying i uh, don't tell me what to do but don't tell me what i can't do says i think all men are cool with this it's cer- <laughs> certainly uh men like, i mean cert- i think that in like the gay male community which is all men uh it, you you will find a higher uh instance incidence of uh this kind of lifestyle because that is uh it again it i mean it doesn't have to be but i also have a few female friends like one of my best female friends is in an open marriage uh, and has been with this guy for eight years. She's bisexual, and it's definitely not. She's just doing it for him. Like, there are women out there uh, who want this as well. I think, like you said, society has told, you know, it's not all society, it's not all biology. Like, yeah. there is some interaction. Uh, and and, I, and I will go on record as saying that I am a man that is against, personally, me doing it. So, 
that's not all men are cool oh. with that like i wouldn't uh not not to mike but to don't tell me what i can't do don't tell me what i can't do don't tell me what i can't do because <laughs> i would not I, I actually would not like a relationship like that yes in but definitely in general there you know men are you know whether it's a biological evolutionary we gotta spill our seed as many places as possible we gotta make more me make more there's so much of it mike there's just so much of it and it has to get out you know what making it (laughs) yes it's like a never-ending pool it's like every time it goes out it just the pool fills back up again Mm -hmm. yeah it's like salad at the olive garden maybe (laughs) yes Uh, it's like everything at the olive garden Uh, (laughs) (laughs) unlike unlike women you gotta keep checking well we're getting closer to that expiration date yeah like like everything in the olive garden is too much of it and i don't want it in my mouth so exactly <laughs> ah! i mean I, I would rather uh never mind so uh, <laughs> i actually i don't know if you guys know the comedian baron vaughn yes uh, i do mine. know baron vaughn uh, yep baron is a super funny guy and he is also he is a uh, poly identified gentleman like i up to this point have not taken on the the full la- I, I don't call myself polyamorous necessarily maybe i am maybe i mean it certainly resonates with me but i feel like specifically polyamory i think refers to having many loves many emotional connections like more than one relationship potentially mm-hmm. or more than a, more than one person more than two people in a relationship whereas uh, you can be open in all kinds of ways you could have one relationship be monogamish you could have you know r- yeah. specific rules that uh and Dan Savage is the one who coined the term monogamish, where you have your one partner, but then maybe, you know, if you're on the other side of the world and you can each do something with somebody else under those circumstances, then you come back together and you're monogamous again for the next however many years. Uh, the Baron has a thing, like, he and I have talked about this extensively, uh, and he has found, he said he has found some frustration when he, he'll meet somebody and they're like, oh yeah, and, and I find, found the same thing. Like, I've had people with like, intellectually, I'm on board, this makes sense, but then we put it into practice. And they're like, oh, emotionally, I actually, or psychologically, now that we're trying it, it isn't exactly what I want, even yeah. though I get it. Uh, and we would then part ways or go, you know, or try to figure I, out. I feel like it's one of those things you can't, you almost can't know until you try, almost, yep. because right. you can think that you can do it, but it, there is something about being like, okay, your dick was inside that other lady over there. Let me uh, register that emotionally. Oh, nope, not coming through. And from and Baron has said uh, at this point, uh, he's like, I don't want to take on any more interns. You know, he just wanted to <laughs> go on be with the initiated and see. I'm I'm at a place where like I'm definitely like I'm open about it. I mean, I talk about it in my act. I talk yeah. about it on podcasts. So one benefit for me is that in talking about it like this, sometimes people will hear me on a podcast or see my comedy. And like I was in Alaska at one point in the past couple of years. And I talked about it on stage and a waitress came up to me after and she was like, I'm in an open marriage. And then Um. we went back to my hotel and I've been on podcasts where people email me and they're like, hey, uh, what you're saying is exactly the way I feel. When you come to my town, let's hang out. Ah. And, you know, so in that way, it's sort of a self-selecting community where I don't necessarily, I mean, I also do meet people just in general uh, ways where, you know, I don't talk about it all the time. Not everybody listens to me on podcasts, Mm. so they don't all know immediately but I do try to bring it up soon enough that I don't want people to waste their time if they're like, I'm a, a staunch monogamist. I can't even imagine. Like, but there are people these days, like especially you know younger people. Like I'm mostly, uh, mostly dating people in their you know 20s and 30s who are uh, the people that I'm meeting have been like more open minded. Even people who are like, I I feel like I want to be monogamous ultimately, but I like you. 
and this does make sense, so why don't we try mm. and see, like, the last large, major relationship that I was in that lasted over a year, uh, the person was just like that. She knew who I was before uh, we got together. She understood what, what I wanted and what I needed. And then when we just started defining the relationship, you know, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been, if I was like, let's be monogamous, she would have been like, cool. But I was like, let's not be. And she was like, cool. And then later, when <laughs> upon trying it, I mean, she wasn't just going into it under duress. Right. She like, she thought about it. I thought we might break up instead of doing it. Uh, because that was, it was her choice. Right. And when people say like, so she, she was just doing it for you, right? She just did it in a sense, like she wouldn't have done it if not for me, but mm. she wasn't choosing something against her will. She wasn't choosing something and she got to choose it every day. If we did it, like the first time I told her that I, you know, hooked up with somebody, she could have been like, not for me. Right. Uh, she could have, but she wasn't. And but- then the next weekend she hooked up with somebody and we eventually in talking about it found that it wasn't, you know, it was more the fear like, there were fears of what could happen that I think, you know, sort of people are afraid of uh, that keep them from doing it. But some of those fears, I think, are easily assuaged by actually doing it and finding out that, oh, you hook up with somebody, but you're not leaving me for them. You right. don't love them more than me. You don't necessarily yeah. love them at all. Like, the fact that you are attracted to some, you are attracted to other people, that makes sense. I, I can learn about it. I can ask you about it as much as I want or as little as I want. And, again, like, you can make your own rules and uh and be surprised and and i guess for me the thing about it and the thing that i applaud you for is the fact that you're very open and honest you don't hide anything you like look this is what it is you know this is who i am you either take it or leave it and the problem is that instead of people being open and honest people are not open and honest they get with somebody that really want to be monogamous and then go out and do these things and then when they're like well she came to my house and punched me in the face and cut my tie and burned the house down well you were not honest with her well there's a lot of people in open relationships that just it's only open on one side and nobody else knows so yes they, they don't and that i would i would claim that not yeah, that is not an open relationship. That no. is uh, a cheating situation. Like, yes. I mean, the, the whole the whole difference is, I mean, I think in life with everything, not just in relationships, but definitely specific to relationships, it's about open, honest communication. Uh, where I think that honestly, uh, the like, if you can have a successful open or open-ish or monogamish relationship, like the odds are that the healthy ones of those are healthier than the average. Uh, then I think the average open relationship that is, you know, where it's come to honestly is, uh, healthier than the average, uh, monogamous relationship. If only because people assume when monogamy is the default, when you get, you know, in most of society, in our society, if you, if a man and a woman, which are most, most of the couplings are men and women, uh, but if, so if a man and a woman meet and they're like, oh, we will date. And then at some point they might assume that there's going to be a conversation about being, to, uh, I guess now we're together and only together. And now we're engaged and now we're met and, and that each of that, they assume each level comes with specific things, but that might not be what each person wants. Like some, to some person, it might be, oh, you're flirting with somebody else. That is cheating to me, which is, right. I think that's unreasonable, but some people might be like, you know, some people are like, Hey, I don't like that. He looks at porn. Porn mm-hmm. is cheating. I don't like that he's interacting, you know, that he's, whatever the case is, there's right. all these things that could be happening that aren't, because there isn't an open, honest dialogue about what each person expects because people just assume, oh, we're a man yeah. and a woman in um, in a monogamous relationship, so I know what the rules are. 
But right. you don't because everybody has to. Everybody has different expectations, different desires, uh, different needs, and different wants. And you need. I think it's important whether open or not open. Like not everybody has to be non-monogamous. I mean, if people, if two people want monogamy and they want it in the exact same way, that's what they should do. If two yeah. people mm-hmm. or three people don't, then that's what they should do. And yeah, I, I actually I, assume yeah. everybody's relationship is uh, fucked up if I'm not in it. So I just like. I feel like as a baseline, that way I can always be surprised when things go good. You know, it's like, oh, cool, they're still together. And that, you know, and then when things go bad, I'm there for people because it's like, oh, it didn't work out, but it's cool. I never thought it was going to. And everything will be fine. You know, I don't tell them that part, but, you know. Yeah. My, my The very first girlfriend that I had, which was, you know, like we held hands for a week and walked around at summer camp. Uh, and then she broke up with me and my friend was like, yeah, we saw it coming. And I was like, "What? How? Who? What?" Was her name? Uh, was her name Shamarla Jackson? Because she did the same thing to me, and uh, <laughs> I really thought SWV Week in the Knees was our song, and it nope. was not. Her name was Emily. Oh, but, uh, I mean, mm. it is. I guess for me, what's been freeing about realizing that this is what I want, and that I'm, you know, I'm allowed to tell people it's what I want, and if at a certain point, like if I fa- if I never found people who wanted to do it then I could be like, well, I guess that's not what I'll do then. If I want to be with a person, like, then there can be sacrifice. I'll, you know, I, I know how to be monogamous for a certain amount of time. Like, that's what I, when I got out of my marriage, I thought, I guess I'll just have, uh, you know, a year or two long relationships for the rest of my life because that's what I seem to be equipped for. I seem to be, I can, you know, the beginning is exciting and easy and full of, you know, like fun and lust and getting to know somebody. And then, you know, once you know somebody, uh, for a year or two, you know, it's not that it's not exciting to be with them, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, I mean, the physically the ba- the brain chemistry subsides in a way that, you know, you get bring back, you're back to your status quo self. And then you want to, I mean, I, I always feel like Doug Stanhope uh, has this joke that's not necessarily perfectly accurate, but certainly captures this component of this issue. He said that he's like, monogamy is great for, you know, I'm paraphrasing, it's great for like being, you know, uh, having that bond with a person, having comfort, having security. Uh, he's like, but the most exciting part of life is falling in love with a new person. Mm. So that when you meet that person, you're basically saying, let's agree to never feel this good again. <laughs> yes, uh, all downhill I, from I, here. I get that. And so that's why, I mean, I, what I want to have, like, I, I always say, I say, like, I want, I just want to find the one who will let me be with others. That's all I want is to <laughs> have, you know, that one, again, like the, the one thing, that sort of fairy tale ish feeling that we're all led to believe exists and can exist in some fashion but certainly not the way could could uh, you ever see yourself having like a wedding ceremony again even if it's not a traditional wedding but like you know like some sort of symbol of this is our love and everybody's invited to eat cheese and crackers yeah i mean with i I like parties i like eating no cheese vegan but uh i mean maybe if the other person wasn't sure i can compromise (laughs) uh i I mean what about all the guests are all your guests at your wedding gonna have to be vegans uh, I mean, I think that for my first wedding, they, we did have, I think we might have had fish. Uh, there was no, you know, like meat or chicken other than, uh, I think there was fish and then most of the other stuff was, there was a lot of vegetarian stuff. Ah. Uh, well, the good I news think, is everyone there, you know, they really cared about you. Yes. Yeah. I'll eat this. <laughs> uh, a lot of love. I don't like carrots, but I'll eat this. I hope you guys I stay mean, together forever. <laughs> 
But also, here's the, the to, to respond to that question. It's funny that I mean, a lot of people have that feeling. Oh my God, people had to eat one meal of vegetables. How could they do it when they don't eat vegetables? Like you're supposed to eat ve- vegetables are sort of important in general. You know, yes, they are. Throughout human history. Most of the time, people didn't eat meat for most meals. You know, right. like, meat would be a luxury. Like, if you kill the thing, then you go, oh, we got this, let's save it. You know, like, you know, like, ham for Christmas dinner, or like, Sunday night meat thing, or, you know, like, yeah. in general, like, in, in Asia, it could be, like, rice could have been your meal. Rice, rice and beans in Mexico. You know, like, vegetables and, like, vegetables are important. So it's always strange. So like, is all this going to – I just want to know, is all of that speech going to be on the wedding invite? Because I feel yeah, like exactly, exactly. people yeah. are just going to look and go, I don't see chicken or steak on here. What is uh, the deal with this? Oh, turn it over. Oh, yeah. people didn't traditionally eat these every day. The, <laughs> the way that I'll, I'll, I'll sell it like this, I'll be like, hey, guys, don't you hate it when you go to a wedding and you have to decide between chicken and fish? Good news, uh, you don't have to. You eat what I tell you. <laughs> or bring your own. If you want to kill a thing and bring it yourself, go for it. No, uh, so we got a little off track. The question of whether I would have a wedding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, I was, it's funny. I was actually just uh, in Boston last night uh, staying with some friends, and they are a married, you know, married couple, man and woman. Uh, they have two children, and I was talking with the man uh, who is younger than I am. I think uh, my his wife is uh, – I'm 34. I think she's 33, and he's probably about 30. And uh, we've known each other for, you know, a decade or a couple – I've known her for maybe 20 years. I've known him for at least 10 to 15 years. And uh, he and I agree about most things. Like, he is – you know, he's a, a scientist. He teaches at Harvard. He you know, he does astrophysics. He's a very – he's a very smart person. He's a very informed person. Like, I like what he has to say about a lot of things. And we actually were talking about Dan Savage and, Dan Savage and he brought up the, the places where he di- differs with Dan Savage's uh, opinions, especially as pertains to, like, relationship structures and what is what is best for children. Mm. Uh, what it, and, and then the concept of institutions in general, like, he is pro-institution, like the institution of marriage or the federal government as an entity that has powers that do specific good things that have been eroding over the past, you know, decades. Right. Uh, and the, the institution of marriage, you know, being a thing that, you know, used to be, uh, that where like liberals and conservatives sort of switched on it. That I think if you look at the numbers, like you know, a liber- liberal couples are more likely to be you know together co-parenting, uh, and perhaps married, perhaps not married. Than like if you look at you know some of you know more re- the redder states where people are more likely to say uh, have babies younger mm-hmm. when not partnered up. There are like I think there's more single motherdom say or mm-hmm. more single parentdom mm-hmm. Uh, in those places. So, I mean, and definitely I, I agree with him that, you know, the ideal is, you know, say more than one parent, right. like more, uh, but maybe it's three parents, you know, right. maybe it's, uh, you have always have a parent at home doing things and then have a two income household plus an extra parent at home. But yeah. so we were talking you, about, you see a lot of people that actually get really, really stressed out over child rearing because, you know, if you talk to almost any parent, whether it's a two family, two parent household, or even if it's one, a lot of it is just like, yo, raising a kid is so hard, man. Mm-hmm. You never, it's never a day off. They get up at this time. They go to bed at this time. They cry this many times. You got to be PTA means you got, you never do anything for yourself. And it's like an extra person might, you know, might help pull a shift. Absolutely. Uh, Pay some so bills. The, yeah, the idea of, uh, so the, I guess the point, the point that I'm getting to is like, I don't, uh, in that conversation, like he was pro institution and I am not necessarily like anti, but I don't think that institutions or rituals, or traditions, uh, 
like are necessarily important just because they are those things, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like, oh, we do this because it's traditional. Like if the, if it's a tradition that it doesn't make sense anymore, then I'm against it. Like uh-huh. I'm against just, you know, sort of blindly, like he's like marriage is important. It has a, it has a function and it has a reason. And I can see, I understand that, but I also think that, uh, you can have, you know, I know people who've been married for 20 or who've been together 20 years, not married, right. who have kids, people who've made a choice to be together, who make a choice to be together every day. And that could be even more valuable than getting married. I mean, obviously the thing that marriage comes with these days, the, one of the reasons that, uh, the people fighting for gay marriage rights, uh, are w- what they want is to be able to, with one fell swoop, get, you know, the, you know, the power of attorney, the, you right. know, able to inherit uh, the wealth, able Insurance. to visit in a hospital, right. all these things yeah. that you could set these all up, but they would cost you a lot more uh, if you weren't able to get married. You'd have to right. get a lawyer. You'd have to spend thousands of dollars as opposed to just go to the courthouse, sign your name, say I do, and you've got it. So, I mean, I could certainly, for practical purposes, like if I, I definitely would get, yes, I would get married again if it was to the right person, if it was uh, to a person who understood me and the relationship that I wanted and wanted the same thing mm-hmm. and that, you know, we agreed and then and then one of us had great health insurance and the other one needed it, you know? <laughs> and, be, and be sure on your invitation, you tell people the food will be very colorful and from the ground, people, from the ground. Um, also, exactly. um, let me, I guess I should do this at this point. Um, we've been interviewing Mike for a while. Uh, this is the Blackout Tips podcast and you can find us at theblackouttips.com. Check out the About section for all the contact information. Leave us five-star reviews on iTunes and we probably to read them on our feedback show that we do on Saturday morning. We will. Um, regardless of content. So if you don't like the show and you still leave us five stars, we will read whatever you have to say. Mm-hmm. But if you love the show and we get like three stars, I can't read three stars. No. I only we are blind to three stars. No. Three so stars? Mm-mm. We only speak five stars around here. That's it. That's, if, that's great. Yeah, man. Yeah. A lot of podcasts adopt that policy after hearing it and I think that is how all feedback should be. Yeah, even if you hate us, we would read it if it's five stars. Promote your business. We don't care. Promote right. the podcast. Just I've read ab- we read advertisements. We have of endorsements of things ah, we don't agree with. Uh, <laughs> I will. That sounds great. <laughs> the official weapon of the show is the taser. Mm-hmm. Can and I, I ask you what's the what's the worst thing that you've ever had to read? The thing oh that you didn't man, most. <laughs> I had to read. You don't want to say it again. I had to read a um, endorsement of Tyler Perry and Steve Harvey and their all of their contrib- contributions to society and i i despise them both so fair enough that was uh but i read <laughs> it i read it like a champ you know got it he had um, to drink water and clear his throat the whole time I, i'm a professional man um the unf- the unofficial sport is bullet ball and bullet ball extreme and today's podcast is sponsored, which it, is my favorite kind of show. It is. The one I get paid for uh, by the audio play Mr. Happy Go Lucky, which features friends of our sh- uh, of ours, uh, people we have been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Kelly Ryder, Leron Wise, uh, who lost to Kelly Ryder in a rap battle uh, on the spot. Yes, a lot of rap battle. Uh, yeah, three verses. Um, and Lisa Odom, uh, who everybody hears on every show because she does the intro to the podcast. Um this is a drama about what happens when a serial killer traps five teenagers in a pitch black dungeon and stalks them in the dark. Stalks them in the dark. Oh my! Mm-hmm. If you want a free uh, preview of the audio play, check out the behind the scenes video. It's on our site on YouTube. Uh, just go to theblackouttips.com and hit sponsor, and you can see all the Shadow Dog uh, clips and and links. And you can also go buy this at shadowdogproductions.com. So make sure you check that out. Um, and I also have one other uh, piece of business. We need to play a uh, preview 
or a teaser trailer i guess for karen's latest uh spinoff show uh lip smacking good you talked to nichelle stevens Mm -hmm. about uh she is a cupcake um yes i like cupcakes magnet i believe is what the word is called but she does so much like when i was she does like a million things when i was editing this clip together i was like god damn she got a lot of jobs like cupcake does not begin to describe it and i I like left like some of this is only like the first couple minutes of your um interview and i want to say the whole thing's like two minutes and 40 seconds but like i i had to edit shit out that she does because like and then one time i uh did this held this comedy show that i got into the new york times i'm like what the fuck and then one time i held a unicorn and everybody was amazed (laughs) so let me play your trailer real quick (laughs) <laughs> but I was amazed. Mm. Lip smacking good. Hi, welcome to the very first episode of Lip Smacking Good Podcast. Where the motto of the show is, if you're not smacking your lips, it ain't good. I'm very excited because our very, very first guest, her name is Stella. I found her on oh. Food Junkie. Wait, this is the first, this is actually the first episode? That is yeah. the wrong trailer? Yeah, they, they, um, they said, oh, it yeah uh that's my bad turn it up yeah that's my bad i actually put the wrong one on this thing so i had to actually play it later but that was awesome so Uh all right well let's do about nothing so you had the wrong one up Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) yep that is my mistake all right well let's talk about the other thing i want to talk about which is um we have a bunch of articles and stuff that we have to get to um and i would like to get mike's opinion on stuff now mike is a bit of a wordsmith if you guys haven't noticed already um mike have you ever heard of a guy named deacon jones uh, I feel, is he mentioned in a Cypress Hill song? He, uh, maybe, I don't no, know. It might be. He is a NFL player. Uh, he died yesterday, um, at the oh, age. Wow. Yeah, he's like 72, 74 years old. But, uh, I played this thing on the show three times yesterday because I think it's hilarious. But he has my favorite clip from any NFL films documentary. This is the official documentaries that they put together. Uh, to promote the NFL, which means it, it must pass a lot of screeners or something because this, this is going out to the world. But this is a clip of him uh, being interviewed about his famous technique, the head slap. Um, and I'm going to just play it. It's only 30 seconds long. I'm going to play it for everybody. Atkins' flood of breaking arms was the reality of the Deacon Jones head slap. The head slap was to do two purposes. One was to give myself an initial head start on the pass rush. In other words, an extra step. Because any time you go upside a man's head or a woman, then they have a tendency to blink their eyes or close their eyes, and that was all I needed. David Deacon. I, I like that he's equal opportunity, uh, which is my favorite part of this clip, is because he didn't say a man's head or a woman, um, like, derogatorily. He's, he was no. like, uh, and let's not forget women, you know, because... <laughs> They can be slapped in the head also. And I uh, feel like their contribution is very underrated in the getting slapped in the head arena when it comes to sports. So I appreciate that guy, man. Uh, I like it. Uh, can I can I tell you uh, I am correct mm-hmm. uh, from the song Cock the Hammer Okay, uh, by, by Cypress Hill. It starts off, uh, I'm a chicken hawk hunting for a chicken. Get paranoid when you hear my Glock clicking. Speaking to the punk-ass victim with the bitch-ass styles, I hit you like Deacon Jones. Oh, well, oh, you know snap. what? It all comes full circle. <laughs> uh, fairly, Cypress Hill was on, on to Deacon, Deacon Jones. Jones also. 
um this is also a thing that happened today and everybody was going uh very upset about this um now mike i don't know if you uh understand the complexities of twitter but there's a subsection of twitter called uh black Black twitter Twitter. which i'm a part of and karen's a part of but not every black person is a part of black twitter nope like uh if you know patrice calendar not really a part of black twitter okay even though she's on twitter and she is black so um there was a big upset uh because michelle obama was giving a speech um about the children trying to help uh you know saying like hey we guys we need to we need to help out these children um and she got heckled by that yeah so she and so there's audio of it um uh, from the washington post and it's a little bit garbled but i'll play it in a second but um it's it's a fundraiser um basically that has nothing to do with the issue the person was trying to raise and the person who was trying to raise uh the issue was a protester who was upset about the fact that there's not marriage equality uh federally throughout uh you know throughout the states and she doesn't feel that president obama is doing enough so she found the uh first lady who uh is not elected to an office exactly and can't control anything and you need to go to your state representative your senator your councilman and where you live baby yeah so uh she decided to yell at uh michelle obama and i know comedians have to deal with hecklers all the time so um i'm gonna play this and then get mike's opinion on it let me see here these young people are consumed with staying alive And there are so many kids in this country just like them. Kids with so much promise, but so few opportunities. Good kids who are doing everything they can to break the the cycle and to beat the odds. And they are the reason we are here tonight. We cannot forget that. I don't care what we can, they, those kids, they are the reason we're here. And today we need to be better for them, not for us. For them, we need to be better for all of our children, our kids in this country, because they are counting on us to give them the chances they need for the futures they deserve. So here's the thing, we cannot wait for the next presidential election to get fired up and ready to go. We cannot wait right now, today. We have an obligation to stand up for those kids. And I don't care what you believe in. We don't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One of the things I, one of the things that I don't do well, is this. That is her say, tell, talking to the heckler directly, like, "Hey, let's don't let's not do this." so she actually kind of got off the mic and approached the heckler and told the person like well look unless you want to take the mic um you can leave or i can leave but we're i'm not going to amuse uh, this foolishness yeah stay here and be heckled by you um at which uh, uh there's different reports some people say the person was like well i i will get on the mic um, and then other people say the person was like uh forced to leave uh or asked to leave or whatnot um so uh yeah now dylan have you ever had to deal with hecklers mike yeah i actually i mean it's it happens less frequently at 
than I think it's portrayed in, say, you know, like movies or TV. Like when, you know, like it's a very, people think like that's the first thing that you get. Like, oh man, you better, better have a line for a heckler. What happens when you get a heckler? Uh, like most of the time, you've got, uh, like if people either are talking loudly, like it could be that they're just ordering their drinks loudly mm. or they're saying something to the people at the table. It's rarely just like, Boo, I don't like the comedy you're doing. <laughs> right. Uh, like, it's usually actually, and that would, it's a little easier to deal with. I mean, most, most places that are, you know, a lot of places that you do comedy, they'll have like management who will, you know, like announce at the beginning of the show, like, hey, no talking, no heckling, keep your voices down. And then they'll go and talk to people, you know, during the show if they're like a little disruptive. Right. If they, if they directly come at you, like, that's definitely, it, it happens. But it's it's rarer, and it's sort of like I guess it's like not I don't want to say it's exciting. Right. Uh, it's exciting in a way that you're like, oh, not this like re-, because it's so it is a little more foreign. Right. Uh, but usually uh, it's more often people who are either drunk or trying to help or uh, you know not just like because here's the thing if people here's what I say to people if they if somebody booed if like boo well then you're just like you're a baby. Right. You're a set, that's what a baby, a baby doesn't like something, doesn't understand it, and cries. <laughs> but the thing that a baby can do is, that a baby can't do is leave. Right. And you are a grown up with, you know, probably legs that got you here. Like, if you're unhappy, you're basically just like, I'm unhappy with what's happening and I'm doing nothing to fix it. I'm, yeah. I want to make it, it's bad for me, so I'll make it bad for other people. Like, you could, you could leave. You could ask for your money back. You could, you know, like that's, there are so many options. Do you besides- feel like, do you kind of feel like our culture is changing a bit or like, um, cause I, you know, I look at like, you know, the internet, Facebook, all this stuff, like everybody has outlets now, like a lot of outlets to just the world. So we, uh, not that we always haven't felt self-important, but now like we can be self-important and kind of have it justify. Like, you know, I have 17 friends on Facebook and they all agree that Obama's the worst or whatever. Yeah. To where people really, like, you can walk out your house and be like, I'm going to heckle the first lady because it kind of feels like that's an office that over the years has always held some sort of reverence to it. Like, especially the first lady simply because it's not really a politically elected official. No, it's not. So I don't know if I've ever really seen um anyone, like, heckle a first lady before at least or maybe we're just seeing it now because there's cameras but i i really can't think of a situation where it's like yeah uh nancy reagan got uh you know she got heckled out of gym at the other place she had to threaten to leave i i i don't actually know my first lady's getting heckled history as well but uh <laughs> i definitely the thing that you're saying about people being able to you know tweet at you know some people if you tweet at like a person with a million followers they're certainly not going to see every uh, tweet maybe they're and not even their assistants will or right. but there's you know like in comedy if you're like a successful comedian and you have maybe if say if you had like you know uh tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers it's possible that you know they check their at feed and that they'll see something so somebody could or search for their name and be like oh this person doesn't like it or you can comment on a youtube video you can like the itunes reviews like a lot of people will like many comedians you know be like it's not it's it, we live in a weird uh, a weird lifestyle, a weird world where there's a combat, there's some balance of, I don't care what people think, 
and I definitely care what people think. Like my, <laughs> right. my job is to, you know, my job is to tell people things that I hope they care about. Right. But also, if you don't like it, then I don't care what you think. But <laughs> I don't care what uh, you think. Uh, how many likes did I get on that last? I don't care what you think post. Yeah, wait, <laughs> what do you think about the fact that I don't care what you think? <laughs> yeah, I'd like some retweets, please, about not caring. Uh, uh, but uh, so, do you, so I guess uh, for me, I feel like uh, this is an, uh, an event planning failure. Because I would think at a situation where we're going to have someone speak, you wouldn't want, obviously, maybe you don't even anticipate this happening, but it, I would have a contingency plan. Like, um, yeah, $500 a dinner. No one came to hear this lady. Oh, they pay $500 and you going to heckle? <laughs> work, work. <laughs> I pay $500 to hear this woman speak. <laughs> I didn't pay $500 to hear you protest. I paid $500 for these carrots. <laughs> And you know what? I'm going to eat them and they're going to be good. These are not as good as the carrots at Mike's wedding, but yeah. I'm still very upset. And, 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 and I guess for me, the problem that I have with it is that this is just me. I feel like over time, people have disrespected Barack Obama. They disrespected mm-hmm. his pres- presidency for whatever reasons. They just be it racism, be it they don't like his policies and procedures, be it they don't think he's worked fast enough and they don't think he has it done. They just, just yeah. flat out disrespect times him. Are, times are more volatile and whatnot, but here's what's funny, though, is that this isn't coming from, like, uh, like remember when he gave a State of the Union and some dude was like, you lie! And it's like, well, dude, he's uh, obviously on the opposite side of the political aisle, even though that's also probably the most disrespectful thing i've ever seen during the state of the union mm-hmm. um but at the same time there's like a understanding of well that's a quote-unquote enemy politically so he doesn't have any respect but this is a person that actually would like for to be heard because she's like obviously republicans are not uh about to hear any same-sex marriage like talk for the most part so if your thing is like i want an advocate for my same-sex marriage it seems like this might be the worst way to try to get one. Yeah, and, and and I guess for me, I, for me, the issue I have with this, a I pay five hundred dollars. Like that, that five hundred dollars is just is just really 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 big for me. I pay five hundred dollars to hear Michelle Obama speak. I have an issue with you interrupting yes. her speaking. Um, and then on top of that, I feel like that. That is, and by the way, that is how I feel at a comedy club. Like, if yeah, I pay $30 to, to, to hear to, yeah, if, if, a comedian, I yeah. don't give a fuck about you and your fucking uh, bridal shower or whatever's going on over there. I, I Let the fucking comedian talk. I don't either. And that's why when we go to comedy clubs, like, if we was to go see Mike, I pay whatever to see you perform. And I want to see you perform. I want to hear you. I want to get the nuances of what you're saying. And the disruption, I guess, to me, it's anger because I spent my money. It's different between I spending yeah. money and and. You're doing something for free. That's completely different. And I guess for me also is that I feel like the disrespect for Barack Obama has kind of trickled down to Michelle. They feel like, well, if I can disrespect your husband, I can disrespect you. But this woman has this woman is is not she didn't run for office. Her husband did. And the issue I have is that if this is the issue that you have, why do you think that she can fix it at this moment? Also, this is a failure. It would have been awesome if she would have hopped off mic and been like, oh, uh, you want same sex marriage federally? No problem. I'll take care. I'll be uh, five minutes. You just stay right here. I'll get right Thanks. back with you. I just got to make a call to Barack. Uh, we just didn't know uh, that you guys even were concerned about yeah, this. Yeah, we, we, uh, we didn't know it was an issue. This is the best avenue to get to me. Also, anyone else who has an issue with the presidency, uh, just wait for me to speak at your local function and yell at me. Yes. And we'll get and, this taken care of. No problem. And you know what? 
Bob that should have been looking in that woman's corner, the football tackle her the second she stood up and walked <laughs> towards the the first lady, is fired. Yeah, my favorite part of this though, uh, because I have to say what's funny, um, is that it was during a heart wrenching speech about the children. Yes, that's what and, she's talking about kids, black kids, white kids, Asian kids, <laughs> Korean kids, gay kids, straight. She right. say, let's help all the children. I just, I just like <laughs> that someone's waited for that part. There had to be some other part of that speech that would have been better to interrupt the, the first yeah, lady. You, but it's really like, and we need to help the children. Because we all can agree children need help. And the people, she's like, no, not the children. Fuck the children. I have an issue. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like Mike is up there, you know, telling the skit, telling the great skit. He he gets halfway through it. And somebody say, I don't care what you're talking about. Let's talk about my day, it's, buddy. It's actually like interrupting a comedian when they go, uh, so I just got married. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, buddy. And then going, no, fuck that. Now's my issue. <laughs> But anyway, I'm sorry. Somebody's like, yeah, I just got married. And they're like, next. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boo this man. Tell a joke. (laughs) I was telling a joke. Uh, We don't care about your marriage. (laughs) The, uh, but my wedding, it has carrots. You can have them. $500. Um, (laughs) That's right. There's a comedian, Emo Phillips, who uh, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, He's a hilarious guy. I think this is a story about him that one time he was heckled by somebody and he did the thing. He was like, uh, do you want to come up here? And the guy comes up and he hands him the microphone and he's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. You, if you think you're great, then feel free. You talk until I get back to the bat from the bathroom. And then the guy was just like, wah, uh, and he went to the bathroom, <laughs> came back and then he's like, huh? and, and then the guy just like sat down all sad. Yeah. Yes, yes. I do feel like if that lady would have got on the Mike. mic, uh, she would have got booed for real. Like, cause nobody came oh. to hear it. So oh, oh. it's not like people were like, uh, we wanted to help cause these are, this is a fundraiser. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're here to help these children. And, okay, uh, apparently we're doing same-sex marriage now. Fuck the kids. We're off that. Uh, and this lady is speaking that we didn't pay to have here. So and, and, we appreciate that, and, and, too. And you, and you know what? That lady would have mad at me because the $500 carrots that I just bought for Mike would have been thrown at that lady. <laughs> She'd have been eating some of my carrots. Speaking of uh, other comedian-related expertise that, you know, we need Mike, or comedian-related issues we need Mike's expertise on. Yes, we do. Um, have you heard about the stuff with Dane Cook at the Boston Benefit show? Oh, uh, I heard that he, I guess what I heard was they were taping it and that he did not want his portion uh, shared with the outside world. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Is, is, that, is that correct? That, or that, is, more? that is correct. Basically, they were taping the benefit. Uh, he was one of the people who, you know, volunteered to go help this is to donate for, uh, the marathon victims. Um, uh, but he was like, I'm going to do new material. Like I'm going to do stuff that I I'm, I'm waiting to put on a CD or a stand up, uh, yep. film. And I would, pre- I would prefer if this didn't go out to the internet and kind of, um, you know, spoil live streaming the whole thing was that the 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 idea or was Um, it people could buy it later well he said uh he he told him this he he didn't want him streaming or televising his performance so i guess both kind of if they were live streaming don't do that and if they're gonna show it later don't do that because he's now see for me i kind of feel like if i'm there in that audience that's like a treat like oh man i'm getting Dane Cook stuff. I mean, I'm not a Dane Cook fan, but if I was, yeah. it's like I'm getting Dane Cook stuff that he hasn't even tried out yet first. Yeah. And it's special because I'm here and I wouldn't have a problem with that. And especially in the day of like people just bringing cell phones into comedy clubs and shit, mm-hmm. like it, 
I don't think it's your fucking right because you pay for a ticket to be like, I'm going to put Dane Cook's set on fucking YouTube because I can do that because I have a phone. That's I think that's an asshole move. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know what the, what, what the prevailing, like, what people are saying on either side, but I definitely, like, if they say, Dane Cook, do you want to be a part of this thing? Yeah, it's a great cause. Yes, of course I do. And if he's like, I, w- I would love for it to be, you know, like, I want, I have this request. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I don't know if it was a demand. You know, whatever. It was like, I'd rather this not happen. And if they're like, okay, then what's the pro- I don't get the problem. The, yeah, the people at the show who paid to go see the show get to see the show. And then just people who want to see it. Like, if you want to see it later, like, you can, if you're like, but I want to give money to this cause and see Dane Cook, but I don't want to buy his CD also. I only want to give him, like, mixed emotions. I don't, I don't get the, I mean, I get, obviously, if you want to give money to, to the cause, give money to the cause, uh, whether you're going to see Dane Cook or not, but, and yeah, see the other people. You get everything else that you get, uh, or if you couldn't go to the show, then, then you'll have his, you'll be able to get his stuff on a CD, or I'm sure somebody will bootleg it, but you'll probably be able to see it for free yes. eventually. Like, so I, I honestly don't see, I, but I want to see it now is what it sounds like. And he should uh, probably, and I think he should get a little extra credit because the other people that were performing were Aerosmith, James Taylor, Jimmy Buffett, New Kids on the Block and Boys to Men. I mean, it's not exactly like, uh, oh, a bunch of A-listers there, man. Like, I, I, I'd definitely be like, oh, Dane Cook, uh, thanks for coming even. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those guys, I feel like those are, those are pretty big bands that I've heard of, but, uh, uh yeah, especially, yeah, especially if you're, uh, you know, if it's 1995. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, new kids on the block. When do they take that new out of there? Am I yeah, right? I think uh, old guys. On the blo- are they even on the block anymore? Anyway, yeah. they're around the corner. I think it's, uh, old men in the cul de sac at this point. <laughs> Me yes. too. It's grumpy old men. The sequel to new kids on the block. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, if there's anybody with a with a counterpoint, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to uh, entertain it, address it. But uh, yeah, like I mean, as a, I, on on a much smaller scale, I'll go places sometimes, and the people doing who are making who are I, I'll go to a show in New York City, and it's like with a nice audience, and I'll be trying you know not trying out brand new material, but I'll be like, oh, this is some stuff that I haven't recorded, I haven't put on TV. Uh, and if they're filming the show, maybe to put it on YouTube, maybe to, you know, stream it, maybe to do something. If it's stuff that is not fully developed yet, I'll be like, is, I mean, is it, usually there's a choice. Usually you can, it's easy to request, say, hey, please don't, uh, film me. Or if you film me, then, and you want to put some of it up, let me have, you know, a say in what goes up and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, rather than just a blanket, like, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, I'm, I'm doing yeah. a festival. In August, uh, in I think it's called Lucy Fest. It's like in, in the town where Lucille Ball was either from or something in Jamestown, mm. New York. And uh, it's the first weekend in August. And they said that it's put on by Rooftop Comedy, and Rooftop, uh, you know, makes uh, comedy CDs. And they're gonna. They said for any everybody who comes here, everybody who does a set at the festival, we're going to take uh, you know a chunk of your act, like less than five minutes, but like you know from like three to five right. minutes, and put it on the CD, and it'll be like a compilation CD. So people who weren't there can get it and you'll get you'll you'll get some of the royalties you'll get you'll get paid for it uh but and and i said i was not concerned but i was just like what depending what i i don't know what exact 15 minute set i'm gonna do uh but i know that whatever it is like i don't want to just say yeah take in advance not knowing what the audience is like not knowing how every joke goes not knowing every joke that i'm gonna do i'm not gonna say just yeah oh do whatever you want I'm gonna, I said to them, is it okay if I have a say? And, you know, can, after I do it, can I look back and be like, you should take this four minute chunk or this yeah. one? 
and okay. uh, and they were like, of course, that's totally reasonable. We'll absolutely do that. Uh, like, where, and I feel like this would be like somebody complained, like, but I wanted to hear that other eleven minute. Why, why didn't he <laughs> right. tell me those minutes? Yeah, those. Yeah, it oh, sounds man. like uh, it sounds like Lucy Fast got some explaining to do. <laughs> yes, I like it. <laughs> it sounded like a fake laugh, guys, but that was, that's my real laugh. <laughs> um, the other thing too is that that's weird about it is. I feel like people are trying to throw it in his face that it's for charity. Like, it's, it's for the Boston victims, dude. How can you be so selfish? It's like, why are you trying to turn it into, like, He's my time and, yeah, like, my time and effort to be here for probably for free? Uh, yes. why are you trying to turn that into a bad thing? Like, just stop being dicks. You don't own comedy, people. Um, all right, man. We can't have you on the show and not do this this last game. Um, we play a game here on the Blackout Tips. It's called Guess, Guess the, the Race. Race. Um, and what did, our chat room our chat room plays along. They're very racist, just then you know. Yeah, the chat room is very racist. They're very creative with their racism, for the record. Um, and uh, we just play news articles or read news articles, and we have the guest and the chat room try to guess the race of the people involved. So uh, put your racism cap on, Mike Kaplan. You're on Guess the Race. Hey. All right, here we go. Here's our first article. It's actually about uh some some child abuse because of locking kids in a dirty mobile home. An oh, snap. A couple accused of keeping two children locked inside a filthy mobile home entered a not guilty plea. CBS 2 Orange County reporter Michelle Geely spoke to neighbors who reported the alleged abuse. Authorities say two relatives, little girls, five and ten years old, living with Lester and Petra Huffmeyer in Anaheim, were discovered malnourished, caked in dirt, their hair matted and teeth <gasps> rotted. This oh. neighbor in the satellite mobile home park just a few blocks from Disneyland says she called officials more than once to report something suspicious inside of the trailer in Space 41. The last time was 12 days ago. I wish I would had forced the issue years ago, you know, when I called and they kind of said, if you don't see much, we uh, why did that reset in the middle of playing? Uh, it, it'll just take one second, but, uh, yeah. Um, trailer home for the record. I know everybody heard Disneyland. This is not from Florida. So here we go. You know, what, why should we come out sort of thing? I wish I had really, really insisted. According to the district attorney, the conditions here are filthy. The trailer is, quote, uninhabitable. Mold and cobwebs cover the kitchen appliances. There is trash and feces filling this home. The toilets do not work. Officials also say that the defendants did not allow the children to leave this trailer for any reason, not even to go to school. They just looked small, very pale. Um, malnourished, not clean. Michaela Smith remembers seeing one of the children peeking out of the window. She had um, a really, like, um, crazed look on her face. She had really, really huge eyes. She looked sick. And um, she um, was staring at me for a moment, and then the curtain just closed. And, like, somebody told her, you know, get away from that window. The 41-year-old defendants who've pleaded not guilty are charged with felony child abuse, false imprisonment, and great bodily injury. According to officials, they are unemployed and spent their days playing the online computer game World of Warcraft. In oh, Anaheim, it's a good game, Karen. It's be a great game. Trying to tell people you got to get into so it. So great, you won't. You forget about your children. And they begged to differ. They thought the house was habitable. So you know. Um. So Mike, what what 
do you think the race of Lester Lewis Huffmeyer and Petra Huffmeyer, uh, 41 years old, of Anaheim, California, what do you think their race is? Well, I, even before I heard any of the story, I was going to say white because uh, I that's me. I don't want to. Uh, I didn't want to get in any trouble. But, uh, <laughs> you won't be in trouble, I promise. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, but I do also think, like, I, I don't know, the name Huffmeyer sounds white. Everything about it sounds white. Like, it's, I mean, I would be, I guess I'll be, I'm not a, I'm not, this isn't my forte, picking the races of people based on their transgressions. But uh, I'm going to go white, for real. I, I'm right. not, not just because I'm white and it's safe for me to call white people white. All right. Uh, it's very, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, all right. I, see I, like, you your, I like your reasoning. Let's see what the chat room thinks. Uh, Pickaninnies of the Snowflake Variety. Uh, they had, they said dried matted hair. They don't describe black people like that. Okay. So he must mean another race, but you didn't say which race, Andre King, King of Andres. It's not just white and black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, meth mouth white. Okay. Snow bunny. Uh, that is white. Round eye. That is American and white. Okay. Jesse Pinkman mayo lover. Uh, white people do love mayonnaise. Extra cheese on they cheese sandwiches. That's true. That's true. White people love cheese. Uh, except vegans, apparently. The Lannister second cousin. <laughs> or, which would also probably be like the Lannister's boyfriend, girlfriend. Who knows? Yeah, I think the Lannister's second cousins are also Lannisters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whiter than the dude who play a black clansman. Uh, is there a reason why I'm not getting any sound? I don't know, Robert, uh, but that is not a guess of the race. The correct answer is, is white. You're bad 100, people. sir. Hooray! All right, let's do this next one. Um, and I don't think we have video with this. I think it's, I just have to read it. And, and wait a minute, before you move uh-huh. on, how did, how did, how were you able to get internet access for World of Warcraft, but yet you didn't have functioning toilets? Uh, Karen, you don't understand how good the game is, is what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, okay. and here, there is video for this. Okay, All right, cool. let, me, let me play this. Um, and as always with YouTube, it takes a second to start. So it wasn't played an ad, but, um, <clears throat> this is about a school bus driver who got fired for posting something on Facebook. A Harrelson County bus driver says he has no regrets over a Facebook post that got him fired. Johnny Cook told the story of a middle school boy who says he was denied lunch because he didn't have 40 cents. That post has exploded on Facebook and Fox Eyes Doug Evans talked this afternoon with Cook and the superintendent who fired him. You know, honestly, I don't care what he says about the kids. What about same-sex marriage? Okay? What about it? I don't care if the kids can't eat. Uh, I have an issue, and that's what's most important right now. Uh, so I would like to heckle that man. <laughs> it needed to be stirred up. Johnny Cook says he was fired from his bus driving job at Harrelson County because of an angry Facebook post about a hungry child. And he says, Mr. Johnny, I'm hungry. I said, what are you doing hungry, buddy? Didn't you eat lunch? He says the middle school student complained on his bus because his lunch money account had run out and cafeteria staff workers at Harrelson County Middle School had turned him away. Mr. Cook posted his phone number in his after-school rant and said call him next time. He'd pay to feed any hungry child. Like Facebook does, sometimes it caught fire. Mr. Cook says the school system told him to take down the post and face suspension or he'd be fired. That post remains on Facebook today, and Johnny Cook is no longer a bus driver. I'm, I'm terminated, but me being terminated doesn't feed the next kid that walks up in line that doesn't have money. Harrelson County Superintendent Brett Stanton would not comment on the reason Johnny Cook was fired, but said the district has a social media policy against posts that disrupt the system. 
Aside from that, he says the lunch incident never happened in a school where the cafeteria workers routinely chip in their own money to feed hungry kids and where policies are in place to make sure every kid is fed. In talking with the middle school principal and, and the cafeteria manager, um, that just did not happen. I asked Superintendent Stanton if the boy's story would have outraged him too. He admitted it would. Well, if you'd be outraged, well, why can't you understand Mr. Cook's outrage? Well, I think from my standpoint, you've got to have the facts. And as I mentioned to you, in looking into the situation, the facts do not tell me that the child was neglected and turned away. Johnny Cook trains horses for a living, needed the job for insurance benefits. He believes the child's story and is contemplating a run for school board. In Harrelson County, Doug Evans, Fox 5 News. All right, Mike. Um, guess the race of Mr. Johnny, uh, the uh, good Samaritan who lost his job trying to help out the kids. White. All right, let's check the chat room, see what they believe. Uh, one of them Duke boys, White. Oh, that was my show as a kid. Dukes of Hazard, my favorite show. Uh, Stephen Richards. Uh, so that's white. Uh, he ain't uppercut the kid, so the kid so white. Okay. Oh, apparently only the black bus drivers uppercut the kids, Karen. Um, as opposed <laughs> oh, or to Asian world's... ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Asian ones karate chop. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they can't even drive. What are they doing? Uh, white. <laughs> uh, this Colonel Sanders loves kids. Um, the correct answer. Oh, wait, white because a real nigga would have just handed him a leg out of the his KFC bucket of chicken. Oh, all right. The I don't think black people eat KFC. The correct answer is white. Oh, you're yeah. two for two, sir. Yeah. You're on a roll. Someone some- asked, is this even a crime? Guess the race doesn't have to always be crimes. Nope. And guess the race is often not a crime. <laughs> Just guessing the race, people. All right, here's the last guess the race, and we got to talk about sore ratchetness, and we'll get out of here. Um, this is a lady who... Uh, the ABC News was, uh, just going through the neighborhoods looking for people to interview and they rode up on the wrong lady, so. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Well, a family in Providence unleashes their dogs on ABC6 reporter Abby Nesgoda. Now, Abby tried to talk to the mother of the teen shot at a graduation party not long after a 16-year-old turned himself in for that shooting. It was at that point when that woman set her dogs on the attack. What, how do you feel about that? A simple question, and this is the response we get. Are you going to throw rocks? We were on oh. a public street in Providence to get reaction from a mother after the man accused of shooting her teenage daughter at a graduation party had just turned himself in. A 16-year-old has turned himself in. Okay, that's But Melissa Lawrence turned violent herself. Are you going to throw rocks? First comes the rock. Get in my bag. Barely missing our photographer's head scraping his arm we think the interview is over and we're about to leave instead lawrence comes out wielding a baseball bat why are you attacking us Get ma'am? Away from me. then she sicks her two dogs on us oh oh my god one bites my forearm then i take off running dropping my mic as they chase me down the street fighting oh, and scratching eventually i make it to a backyard three houses down lawrence finally calls her dogs back come on Zelina! but not before cursing at us one last time oh my in providence i'm abby nesgoda abc6 news 
Now, we do want to let you know that Abby was on public property the entire time. She never went in her home. She was attacked on the street. Abby had to get a... All right, so what I would say here is this is why you don't disrespect the first lady because you don't know what kind of repercussions it's going to have on just regular people wow. that's minding their own business. They might see it and lose their fucking minds. Uh, so, Mike, guess the race of the news crew. I'm going to go with white. All right, all right. Chat room, guess the race of the news crew. Uh, see, everybody start guessing the race of the lady. That's too easy. I already knew she was, everybody knew she was black. That's dumb. What do you guys think we're playing here? Let's see. Black cameraman, white anchor. I like the way that you mixed that up, uh, Tony, in South Carolina. Uh, oh, the news crew, they white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the correct answer is white. They were white. Mike is three yeah. for three. And she was getting it in them heels, too, boy. She was moving. <laughs> she really was. She really was. Uh, she, you know what's funny, though? She still had this run where she was, like, holding the mic, kind of limp-wristed or whatever. I would have thrown that fucking mic at those dogs, man. What? Sorry. I'm not, they true on this. I'm not dying in the street, uh, cause. Just, covering the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just cause I'm on camera. I would fuck those dogs up and <laughs> get the fuck out of there, man. Um, you know, I, I said white, uh, even when I didn't know it was gonna be the news crew. I was gonna say whoever was white. So it just, I got, I got lucky. Uh, you, you don't have to look <laughs> hey this is not an open relationship you don't have to be honest with us we <laughs> we, we got it buddy the you, chat room want the link to the uh, story okay yeah i'll send that uh link in but yeah you, you're three for three man very few people come here and go 100 percent. yeah and uh, the last question is always worth bonus points so you got uh double racist points on the last answer man um so, uh, you know, pat yourself on the yeah, back. Yeah, you win today for Guess the Race. Yeah. And the last thing we have to talk about is sword ratchetness. Now, ratchetness means, like, craziness, um, typically detrimental to people involved. Uh, there's a lot of people with swords around here, and there's not enough awareness about it. Uh, Mike, I don't know. Do you own swords by any chance? I do not own swords. Okay. I knew there was something I liked about you, buddy. Um but uh yeah a lot of people own these swords and it's a problem it doesn't get prosecuted enough no one tries to pass sword legislation uh it's everyone's concentrating on the guns meanwhile people are losing their lives and limbs over swords every day that are sitting up on mantles yeah. all across this country often loved ones there's no such thing as a display sword uh especially oh, when no. it's poking through your chest then you go oh apparently that is a thing that still works um a Redditch man who swung his sword in a terrifying act and damaged a car while his sister's boyfriend was sitting inside has been jailed. Uh-oh, snap. Luke Downs, 24, got angry with Richard Tribuckowitz. Mm-hmm, that's how he said. Pulled up outside his house on Arthur Street in his Subaru Impreza at lunchtime. See, people with swords, they would really just go get a sword on their lunch break. They don't give a fuck, Oh, man. snap. You know, most of us go, this is not the same thing to do. When you own a sword, you go, I have a disagreement. I'm going to wait to my lunch break and go get my sword. He was arranged to pick up his girlfriend at the time just to go out because sword people don't have anything to do during the day. But Downs had overheard a video call conversation the couple had earlier and believed Mr. Tribuckowitz had been insulting to his family. Oh, snap. So Skype got him in trouble, and that's why Mike Wynn got headphones. Ah, he went outside and after an exchange of words, he produced the sword and smashed the driver's window before making two cuts in the door paneling with it and, wa- and catching Mr. Tribuckowitz on the chest, causing a slight graze. Oh, it's a slight graze. Right. 
I, I do. I would like a definition of that. You know, like was he bleeding enough that where he need a new shirt? You know, was uh, did he need stitches? We grazing like we grazing grass. I don't yeah. understand this. Who gets to decide what a slight graze is? It's kind of like when they have a car accident, they go, they were taken to the hospital with non, uh, life threatening injuries. injuries. And it's like, uh, he will never use his arm again, but, uh, it's That's not non life threatening. It wasn't a threat to his life. Um, he can't threaten anyone else's life now. Yeah. <laughs> not with that hand. Mm-mm. Uh, Downs pleaded guilty in April to a charge of possession and aff- possessing an offensive weapon in the form of a metal bar. This charge was then changed to call the weapon a samurai sword. And Downs contested this later allegation at a special hearing on the issue. Uh, he said well, that that had to be the shortest hearing ever, right? You just pull the sword out and it's like, yeah, that's a sword. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a metal bar. I mean, sure, it's edged and curved and has a hilt. But technically, ah. uh, at some point before it was refined, um, he said he had heard Mr. Tribuckowitz arrive and had searched in the pantry for something to def- use to defend himself because there had been a history of problems and he feared for his safety. Oh, snap. He found a long metal sh- shelving bracket, which he concealed under his jacket and then went outside. Uh, he said he used this to hit the car and had to run when police w- had to run when the police were called, jumping over fences at the back of his house and throwing the metal bracket away. Mr. Tribuckowitz told the court Downs had gone out to the car shouting and swearing. He wound the window up to keep him out, but he had smashed it and grabbed his shirt. Wow. Oh, he was determined to get him. The sword, which he drew in a picture for police, broke in two. <laughs> Can you draw a picture of the sword? Well, it looked like... I'm not uh, quite that good of an artist, but was, I, I will try. That looks like a stick man, sir, with a stick sword. <laughs> well, that's as sharp as, as I can remember. It was pointy at this end. Uh, it was about... Six feet tall, wearing Nikes as a black dude. Then they went and arrested a black dude for no reason. Oh, you fit the description of a sword. Um, stop it. Is, uh, is that a joke about drawing a sword? There's two ways to do that. Oh, I like that, Terrilyn. Mm, I like mm-hmm. that. We got a clever audience in, in addition to being racist. The sword, <laughs> the sword, which he drew in a picture for police, broke it too. Downs has 11 convictions for 19 previous offenses, including some violence. But Charles Hammer defending said he had kept out of trouble for two years. So, hey, round of applause, buddy. Um, wow. Broke his two-year sobri- uh, sobriety chip uh, or sobriety sword. I think you get a sword after two years. Uh, but he he broke that. Um, what's sad about that, too, is he has 11 convictions for 19 previous con- uh, offenses. So, like, he's only averaging, like, a little above 50% on his offenses, man. Like, step your game up, player. I mean, uh, for a batting average, that's not bad. Yeah, you know, I like, <laughs> I like to look at it like free throws. You know, if if I'm getting, I gotcha. you know, I'm getting offended. Like the, I, I set a high bar. I set a high bar for myself. That's, you said a high sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a high metal, uh, refined bar. Recorder Barry Berlin said he was satisfied that a sword of an Oriental kind had been used. Well, satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it because remember this was a hearing. It was like, okay. you know, is this a sword or a bar? And I was like, I'm satisfied that's a sword. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And it's authentic too. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, if my mother had been there, uh, he would have got away with it because uh, sometimes, like my mother, she's never satisfied. He said it was a terrifying <laughs> weapon, and it had not just it had not just been produced. It had been used in a horrific and terrifying act. There had been a minor argument, and Downs got angry about it taking the law into his own hands he had he had to cause a thousand euros worth of damage to a car 
a thousand euros that's a lot because uh it's more than english dollars okay mm-hmm. uh and it, and and it was lucky that the injuries were not more serious they jailed him for 22 months on the weapon charge only 22 months i, I st- feel like you get a gun and draw it out on somebody right. and nobody has to say is that a gun mm-hmm. right you can't go that is just a metal object that is used for hauling, uh throwing rocks at people so that is not a gun um anyway he admitted the charges of assault by beating and criminal damage and was given no separate penalty for those because we don't take sword crimes serious around the world um i would say it was attempted murder at the least but uh apparently nobody believes it until someone's dead when it comes to a sword and and you know what i give mike extra points for not owning the source you get extra bonus points for guess the race sir mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Mike, for doing this, man. Um, make sure y'all check out his podcast. It's Hang Out With Me. Uh, you can find it at com slash hang. You can also find him on Twitter at Mike Kaplan. You can find him uh his internet website, which is MikeKaplan.com. Mm-hmm. And it's MYQ, people. Um, I got to ask, Mike, why? Um, when did you change your name to MYQ? I was, uh, I was a kid. It was right after Prince changed his name to a symbol. That was what inspired me. I was like, that guy's weird. I'll be weird. Then he changed back later, and I was like, oh, no, I'm alone. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that is uh, that is what happened. Uh, if you Now it's easier to Google me, so thanks or sorry, whatever. You know, if you don't, if you don't like it, I get it. If you like it, I get it. So uh, I get it, whatever. All and, right. I uh, like it, man. For, I did, too. Yeah. Did you ever contemplate having, like, a middle name of L, like Mike L, Kaplan, or oh, anything like that? Uh, I guess I, when people ask me if what it's short for, I'll tell them it's Michael, M-Y-Q-L. Ah, uh, oh, okay. But that's fine. I've never thought about. Uh, I do have a middle name. It starts with A. So Micah, oh. that's me. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that would be a lot of Micahs in your life. It, and very it would confusing. be confusing, but yes. uh, I think we could we could Micah at work, um, <laughs> guys. Uh, but don't thank, encourage me. Thank, thank you so much for doing the show, man. You have now gone black guy who tips, so you can go back guy who tips. Um, everybody, make sure that you uh, check them out. Also, we'll see you guys Saturday when we do our feedback show. Um, don't forget all the people that sign up for premium shows, uh, blackoutips.com slash premium. And our sponsor was Shadow Dog Productions. Check them out, man. Um, they're always supporting us, so it actually looks good when you support them. Check out their audio play, Mr. Happy Go Lucky, which is a drama about a serial killer mm-hmm. that traps five teenagers in a pitch black dungeon. That sounds dangerous. And stalks them in the dark. Um, and apparently he must can see very well or hear very well. We'll find out. But, uh, make sure you guys check that out. Um, and, uh, I think that's it. So until Saturday, I love you. I love you too, baby. Mwah. <laughs>